0: stories of imagination are never far. They still reside in us, guiding us ever forward. Join us now as we journey forward into the past. And here is your host, J.C. Riddell. Hello again, folks, and welcome to another fine episode of Forward Into the Past. I'm JC Riday, your host and narrator, and today we're going to continue with the spooky stories for the Halloween season, offering up the second of two stories from the master of the macabre, Edgar Allan Poe, The Cask of Amontillado, as suggested by you, the listening audience for the show. Nowadays, we consider telling ghost stories part of Halloween tradition. But, as I mentioned in the last episode, ghost stories were primarily told around the Christmas hearth, and not as much around a Halloween bonfire. There are a few thoughts why, but I'm guessing it was because people living in those early centuries were a very superstitious lot. If you have a day that is dedicated to spirits and goblins, why would you tempt fate by bringing them closer to home with the telling of stories about them? Remember, the tradition of dressing up in a costume for Halloween stems back to those early days when people would wear masks and costumes in order to confuse any wandering evil spirit that may cause them harm. Jack-o'-lanterns were used for the same reason. You know, and those have a very interesting backstory that I will more than likely share with you in the next episode, especially considering the story I'm going to read. So, stay tuned for that. Halloween in America really came into its own thing right around the middle of the 19th century, around the time of the American Civil War, and around the same time that story papers and dime novels really hit their strides, ironically enough. It was around this time that the U.S. got a huge wave of immigrants from Europe. In the former New England colonies, up until then... Halloween was really not celebrated at all due to the strict Puritan rules that had been in place there and just became everyday life for them. Halloween celebrations were much more common in the southern states, but not as we know them today, more of a harvest celebration than anything else. No, it was due to the wave of Scottish and Irish immigrants that flooded the eastern seaboard and elsewhere that really started our American Halloween traditions. They brought with them the customs of dressing up in costume to trick ghosts from the pagan celebration of Samhain. Jack-o'-lanterns, of course, came from the Irish story of Stingy Jack, and again, stay tuned for that. And trick-or-treating came from a European custom of going from house to house in a village and asking for treats or money by children to pray for the souls of the departed of the family. Now, there's a lot more to tell, but I don't want to take any more time away from the story at hand. Poe's Classic Tale of Vengeance, The Cask of Amontillado. Enjoy. Edgar Allan Poe's The Cask of Amontillado The thousand injuries of Fortunato I had borne as best I could, but when he ventured upon insult, I vowed revenge. You, who so well know the nature of my soul, will not suppose, however, that I gave utterance to a threat. At length, I would be avenged. This was a point definitively settled, but the very definitiveness with which it was resolved precluded the idea of risk. I must not only punish, but punish with impunity. A wrong is unredressed when retribution overtakes its redresser. It is equally unredressed when the avenger fails to make himself felt as such to him who has done the wrong." "'It must be understood that neither by word nor deed "'had I given Fortunato cause to doubt my good will. "'I continued, as was my wont, to smile in his face, "'and he did not perceive that my smile now "'was at the thought of his immolation. "'He had a weak point, this Fortunato, "'although in other regards he was a man to be respected "'and even feared. "'He prided himself upon his connoisseurship in wine.' "'Few Italians have the true virtuoso spirit. "'For the most part their enthusiasm is adopted to suit the time and opportunity "'to practice imposture upon the British and Austrian millionaires. "'In painting and gemery, Fortunato, like his countrymen, was a quack. "'But in the matter of old wines, he was sincere. "'In this respect I did not differ from him materially.' I was skillful in the Italian vintages myself, and bought largely whenever I could. It was about dusk one evening, during the supreme madness of the carnival season, that I encountered my friend. He accosted me with excessive warmth, for he had been drinking much. The man wore motley. He had on a tight-fitting, partially striped costume, and his head was surmounted by the conical cap and bells. I was so pleased to see him that I thought I should never have been done wringing his hand. I said to him, "'My dear Fortunato, you are luckily met. How remarkably well you are looking to-day. But I have received a pipe of what passes for Amontillado, and I have my doubts.' "'How?' said he. "'A Amontillado? A pipe? (laughs) Impossible! And in the middle of the carnival?' I have my doubts, I replied, and I was silly enough to pay the full Amontiado price without consulting you in the matter. You were not to be found, and I was fearful of losing a bargain. Amontillado? I have my doubts. Amontillado? And I must satisfy them. Amontillado? As you are engaged, I am on my way to Lucchese. If anyone has a critical turn, it is he. He will tell me— <laughs> Lucchese cannot tell Amontillado from Sherry. And yet some fools will have it that his taste is a match for your own. Huh. Come, let us go. Whither? To your vaults. Oh, my friend, no. I will not impose upon your good nature. I perceive you have an engagement. Lucchese. I have no engagement. Come. My friend, no. It is not the engagement, oh, but the severe cold with which I perceive you are afflicted. "'The vaults are insufferably damp. "'They are encrusted with nitre. "'Let us go, nevertheless. Uh, "'The cold is merely nothing. (laughs) "'Amontiado! "'You have been imposed upon. "'And, as for Lucchese, "'he cannot distinguish Sherry from Amontiado.' "'Thus speaking, Fortunato possessed himself of my arm. "'Putting on a mask of black silk "'and drawing a roquelaire closely about my person, "'I suffered him to hurry me to my palazzo.' There were no attendants at home. They had absconded to make merry in honour of the time. I had told them that I should not return until the morning, and had given them explicit orders not to stir from the house. These orders were sufficient, well I knew, to ensure their immediate disappearance, one and all, as soon as my back was turned. I took from their sconces two flambeaux, and, giving one to Fortunato, bowed him through several suites of rooms to the archway which led to the vaults. I passed down a long and winding staircase, requesting him to be cautious as he followed. We came at length to the foot of the descent, and stood together on the damp ground of the catacombs of the Montresors. The gate of my friend was unsteady, and the bells upon his cap jingled as he strode. The pipe," said he. "Oh, it is farther on," said I. "But observe the white webwork which gleams from these cavern walls." He turned towards me and looked into my eyes with two filmy orbs that distilled the room of intoxication. "Niter," he asked at length. "Niter. How long have you had that cough?" <laughs> My poor friend found it impossible to reply for many minutes. (coughs) "'It is nothing,' he said at last. "'Come,' I said with decision, "'we will go back. Your health is precious. You are rich, respected, admired, beloved. You are happy, as once I was. You are a man to be missed. For me, it is no matter.' "'We will go back. You will be ill, and I cannot be responsible. Uh, "'Besides, there is Lucchese—' "'Enough!' he said. "'The cough is a mere nothing. It will not kill me. <laughs> "'I shall not die of a cough!' "'True, true,' I replied. "'And, indeed, I had no intention of alarming you unnecessarily. "'But you should use all proper caution. "'Ah, a draft of this Midoc will defend us from the damps.' Here I knocked off the neck of a bottle, which I drew from a long row of its fellows that lay upon the mold. "'Drink,' I said, presenting the wine. He raised it to his lips with a leer. He paused and nodded to me familiarly, while his bells jingled. "'I drink,' he said, to the buried that repose around us. "'And I, to your long life.' He again took my arm, and we proceeded. ''These vaults are extensive,'' he said. ''The Montresors,'' I replied, ''what a great and numerous family. I forget your arms.'' ''A huge human foot door in a field azure. The foot crushes a serpent rampant whose fangs are embedded in the heel.'' ''And the motto?'' ''Nemo me impune la Translation... "'No one assails me with impunity.' <laughs> "'Good!' he said. "'The wine sparkled in his eyes, and the bells jingled. "'My own fancy grew warm with the midoc. "'We had passed through walls of piled bones, "'with casks and puncheons intermingling, "'into the inmost recesses of the catacombs. "'I paused again, and this time I made bold "'to seize Fortunato by an arm above the elbow. "'The nighter. I said, See, it increases. It hangs like moss upon the vaults. We are below the river's bed. The drops of moisture trickle among the bones. Come, we will go back ere it's too late. <coughs> Your cough. <coughs> it is nothing, he said. <sighs> Let us go on. Oh, but, but first, another draught of the medoc. I broke and reached him a flagon of de Grave. He emptied it at a breath. His eyes flashed with a fierce light. He laughed and threw the bottle upwards with a gesticulation I did not understand. I looked at him in surprise. He repeated the movement, a grotesque one. "'You do not comprehend,' he said. "'Not I,' I replied. "'Then you are not of the Brotherhood.' "'How?' "'You are not of the Masons.' "'Oh, oh, yes, yes,' I said. "'Yes.' (laughs) <laughs> "'You! Impossible! A mason!' "'A mason!' I replied. "'A sign!' he said. Ah, "'It is this!' I answered, producing a trowel from beneath the folds of my rocolaire. <laughs> "'You jest!' he exclaimed, recoiling a few paces. "'Ah, but let us proceed to the Amontillado!' "'Be it so!' "'I said, replacing the tool beneath my cloak, "'and again offering him my arm. "'He leaned upon it heavily. "'We continued our route in search of the Amontillado. "'We passed through a range of low arches, "'descended, passed on, and descending again, "'arriving at a deep crypt "'in which the foulness of the air "'caused our flambeau rather to glow than flame. "'At the most remote end of the crypt "'there appeared another, less spacious.' Its walls had been lined with human remains, piled to the vault overhead, in the fashion of the great catacombs of Paris. Three sides of this interior crypt were still ornamented in this manner. From the fourth, the bones had been thrown down and lay promiscuously upon the earth, forming at one point a mound of some size. Within the wall, thus exposed by the displacing of the bones, we perceived a still interior recess, in depth about four feet, in width, three, in height six or seven. It seemed to have been constructed for no especial use in itself, but formed merely the interval between two of the colossal supports of the roof of the catacombs, and was backed by one of their circumscribing walls of solid granite. It was in vain that Fortunato, uplifting his dull torch, endeavoured to pry into the depths of the recess. Its termination the feeble light did not enable us to see. "'Proceed,' I said. "'Herein is the Amontillado. "'As for Lucchese—' "'He is an ignoramus!' interrupted my friend, "'as he stepped unsteadily forward, "'while I followed immediately at his heels. "'In an instant he had reached the extremity of the niche, "'and, finding his progress arrested by the rock, "'stood stupidly bewildered. "'A moment more and I had fettered him to the granite.' In its surface were two iron staples, distant from each other of about two feet horizontally. From one of these depended a short chain, from the other a padlock. Throwing the links about his waist, it was but the work of a few seconds to secure it. He was much too astounded to resist. Withdrawing the key, I stepped back from the recess. "'Pass your hand,' I said over the wall. "'You cannot help feeling the niter.' "'Indeed, it is very damp. "'Once more, let me implore you to return.' "'No?' "'Then I must positively leave you. "'But first, I must render you all the little attentions in my power.' "'The Amontillado!' ejaculated my friend, not yet recovered from his astonishment. "'True,' I replied. "'The Amontillado.' "'As I said these words, I busied myself among the pile of bones of which I have before spoken.' Throwing them aside, I soon uncovered a quantity of building stone and mortar. With these materials, and with the aid of my trowel, I began vigorously to wall up the entrance of the niche. I had scarcely laid the first tier of my masonry when I discovered that the intoxication of Fortunato had in great measure worn off. The earliest indication I had of this was a low, moaning cry from the depths of the recess. It was not the cry of a drunken man. There was then a long and obstinate silence. I laid the second tier, and the third, and the fourth, and then I heard the furious vibration of the chains. The noise lasted for several minutes, during which, that I might hearken to it with more satisfaction, I ceased my labours and sat down upon the bones. When at last the clanking subsided, I resumed the trowel and finished without interruption the fifth "'the sixth and the seventh tier. "'The wall was now nearly upon a level with my breast. "'I again paused, and, holding the flambeau over the mason-work, "'threw a few feeble rays upon the figure within. "'A succession of loud and shrill screams bursting suddenly "'from the throat of the chained form seemed to thrust me violently back. "'For a brief moment I hesitated. I trembled.' Unsheathing my rapier, I began to grope with it about the recess. but the thought of an instant reassured me. I placed my hand upon the solid fabric of the catacombs and felt satisfied. I reapproached the wall. I replied to the yells of him who clamored. I re-echoed, I ate it, I surpassed them in volume and in strength. I did this, and the clamorer grew still. It was now midnight, and my task was drawing to a close. I had completed the eighth, the ninth, and the tenth tier. I had finished a portion of the last, and the eleventh. There remained but a single stone to be fitted and plastered in. I struggled with its weight. I placed it partially in its destined position, but now there came from out the niche a low laugh that erected the hairs upon my head— It was succeeded by the sad voice, which I had difficulty in recognizing as that of the noble Fortunato. The voice said, (laughs) A very good joke indeed. An excellent jest. We will have many a rich laugh about it at the Palazzo over our wine. The Amontillado, I said. Yes, yes, the Amontillado. Oh. But is it not getting late? Will they not be awaiting us at the palazzo, the lady Fortunato, and the rest? (laughs) Uh, Let us be gone. (laughs) Yes, I said. Let us be gone. For the love of God, Montresor. Yes, I said. For the love of God. But to these words, I hearkened in vain for a reply. I grew impatient. I called aloud, "'Fortunato!' "'No answer. "'I called again. "'Fortunato!' "'No answer still. "'I thrust a torch through the remaining aperture "'and let it fall within. "'There came forth in return only a jingling of the bells. "'My heart grew sick, "'on account of the dampness of the catacombs. (laughs) "'I hastened to make an end of my labor.' I forced the last stone into its position. <sighs> I, I plastered it up. <sighs> Against the new masonry, I re erected the old rampart of bones. For the half of a century, no mortal has disturbed them. In pace requiescat. Well, folks. That concludes our latest episode. I hope that it brought you some enjoyment. Hmm, As for me, I'm going to take a small break to prepare for the next episode. Washington Irving's classic haunted tale, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And I hope you will join me again. For now, I'm going to enjoy this small cheese plate and partake of this wine. I hope you will indulge me this small break, hmm? Well, until next time, as always, thank you for listening, keep sharing the stories, and be a good human. <laughs> Bye for now. <laughs>